Welcome here to Westwoods. What a nice spot we have here. The outdoors, sunlight we have today, it's really nice and a little breezy. But it's a place that took us all in here. We all shared the same space. We all share the same time and the same activity in what we call a Zazenkai. Meeting to do Zazen. Meeting as a group to investigate and to learn how to let that self, that I am self, that ego, how to let it fall away, dissolve, disappear. That is the activity that we follow while we are in this formal practice. The activity of becoming less and less. And the more we do this, the easier and the more naturally the self arises, which it does inevitably anyway. Sometimes when people read about Zen practice, they get stuck on ideas that are written down in books that say something like, you have to kill your ego. You have to eradicate any thought of self. Well, that is only, not even half of it. This is only one side of the medal. It's only one dimension of many because it never mentions that that ego, that I am self, and the self, they are natural phenomena. Without self, there is no, no self. So whenever you practice, whenever you do zazen, whenever you go into that direction of becoming less and less and less and less, Don't forget that it is not a one-sided activity. And never think of it in a two-dimensional way. The teacher who came up with these basic teachings, we all know him as Shakyamuni Buddha, the historical Buddha. And from the point of view of somebody who is in the Zen tradition, that person Siddhartha, he was like we are. Nothing divine, just a very ordinary, inquisitive human being who took the time to sit down, to go through all kinds of teachings, all kinds of practices during his lifetime. But what it came down to in the end was that he put himself under that tree and did not get up until he had penetrated to that point where everything fell away and it became clear to him. We all know the story about the eighth day in the morning when he saw the morning star 
suddenly he knew all sentient, all, all sentient beings are Buddha. This is myself. Everything is not only connected, but everything is myself. And that is a very, very powerful message. But we cannot look at it also in the same two-dimensional way. There are places and times where there has to be distinction, where things are distinct, where there is subject and object. And there are places and times where no place and no time appears, and there is no distinction between the subject and the surroundings. And Zen practice is not a method that helps you with anything but learning how to balance, learning how to equally engage both in the activity of self-affirmation as well as the activity of letting the self completely go. There is no magic to it. There is no secret. And all we have to do to find out is sit down, open our inner ear, experience that there is no inside and no outside. And taking that in our everyday into our lives and manifest it with everything we do. Everything. One of the first things that Sasaki Roshi always stressed, and he put it in a, in a metaphor, he said, he, he liked to talk about actually Hitler and Roosevelt at that time. So you can imagine it's a ways back. But what it meant, you have to embrace both. Even the good and the evil shake hands. Even the opposites have to come together. And neither side has a claim to perfection or even the possibility of being complete. Completeness means that there is nothing to be left out. There is not a single moment in your lives that you should leave out. We all have the tendency, just because that's how self-consciousness works, we have the tendency to come to a point where we don't want to be there. No, I, I want to be somewhere else. And we start thinking ourselves into those places, or we start feeling our, ourselves back into places that we think or that we have experienced as being more soothing or sometimes even the opposite, disturbing, than, what, than where we are at the very moment. We have those feelings and those thoughts. Not leaving anything out means to bring together 
past, present, and future, in the very moment. And when we chant here, all together, even though we are some 20 different people, we chant with one voice, we chant with the same air, the same breath, to the same beat. And that allows us to let go of that I am. I am chanting. The I am disappears and just the activity of chanting takes over. Without the need to think, we inhale just when it's time to inhale. And as soon as we start thinking, because we can't follow the chant, off we go, we fall off. We leave the group and we have to catch up, come back into the activity. The one action that happens at the same time. It's an interesting approach, it's an interesting thought that many of us come here to work on our own lives, to work on ourselves. And in order to do that, we have to learn to just let that go. To let go of the habitual identifying with a specific name, specific properties, opinions, a past, hopes for the future, all of that. That is all restrictive. It keeps us from truly in the moment letting happen and be fully with what is happening. It's only a few hours we spent together here. But as I said before, don't let even a single billionth of a second of your lives slip away unlived, unattended, not meant to be lived anywhere. Not 80%, not 90, not 95, but give yourselves 100% to the tiniest fraction of your life that you can think of. We all are very lucky. We have the time to come here. We have the means of transportation. We have this wonderful place for which we are grateful. We have the sun and one year ago today, I don't know if you remember, there was this big earthquake off the coast of Japan, just in, in the ocean near the Miyagi Prefecture. And Miyagi Prefecture and the capital city of Sendai is somewhat close to us because our teacher, Sasaki Roshi, he was born in Sendai 
He grew up near Sendai in a farmhouse and the temple where he started his studies as a Buddhist monk at the age of 14. Tsuyiganji is right there near Sendai. 28,000 people died as the fallout of the earthquake. an interesting coincidence. How do we as individuals not feel for those who have died? How can we sit here and not be over there and help? Still digging out from the mud. There are still all kinds of big projects to just remove all the mud that was swept miles and miles over what used to be fertile farmland. How do we reconcile that? And this is what, in our tradition, we would, we would probably call a koan. A koan that has no right or no wrong answer. But give it a little introspection, look at that. Observe if you feel guilty. Observe if you feel uninvolved. Observe if your thoughts come up, oh well, the universe works without will and desire, it just happened. We all have to die. Listen to yourself. And once you go and you start exploring a problem like that, then you are entering into that activity of being with the moment, because there is no right answer. There is no magic answer. This is the right thing to do. The moment you reach out with your hand and you shake somebody's hand completely, how in that very moment is it that all of this comes together? Earthquakes, tsunamis, power plants, but also beauty. A sunny day like today. The privileges we all share. I'm telling you this because I want you to not be fooled into thinking that Zen practice is something that happens just here on the cushion. This is the save lab. This is the lab section of life where you have your protective gear on, where you can experiment without having too much to fear. 
But whatever we find out in the lab, we have to take out into that world, into that world that has suffering, suffering in all kinds of shapes and forms, and learn how to deal with it, how to act, how to not turn away. How do we not turn away? I remember an old friend who gave me a book by the title of Not Turning Away. And the inscription on the first page says, as if we had a choice. So, fellow Zen people, fellow humans, friends, thank you for taking time out of your lives to come here and to share it with us. And what we are being reminded of all the time and what the Roshi always tells us, no matter where you are, no matter what you do, even the slightest, smallest possible amount of time of your lives, don't let it go without having it be lived 100%. Roshi is 105 years old on April 8th. And he has shown us how to do that. But nobody can do it for us. Nobody can do it for you but yourself. So let's live. Let's live the plus. Let's live the minus. And let's not leave anything, anybody, any time, any place out. Embrace everything without discrimination.